now. From the Mousecapade Studios, here are your hosts. <laughs> happy friday mousecapades listeners this is vicky and i'm here with brad and we're so happy that you're joining us we pray that you are all staying safe happy and healthy given the current pandemic situation this is episode 559 and you're listening to the number one podcast that entertains that space between your ears the mousecapades podcast before we get started we'd like to remind you that the mousecapades podcast is part of the your story travel company at Your Story Travel Company, we can plan a magical trip for you on just about any budget. It only takes a $200 refundable deposit to hold your reservation. Call us today for a free quote at 636-373-4497. So here on the Mousecapades podcast, we generally follow a guideline for our shows to kind of keep us on topic. And Vicki usually does those for the Wednesday shows, and I do that for the Friday shows. And the reason we kind of do that is we don't want to get off on too many tangents. Otherwise, we chase rabbits all day and we would never get back on topic. Uh, I know I'm bad about that. And Vic, I know you can, it's easy to do that when you're just not structured. Uh, but for today's episode, we're going to depart from that a little bit. Uh, I do have some talking points to keep us on task, but. This is gonna be a more open-ended discussion than normally, than we normally follow on our shows. So from this episode title, you probably expected something a little different and that's true. But before we dive into the meat of this show, I do have a couple of disclaimers. And so I'll just, I wanted to make three statements up front to be as plain and straightforward as I can because they're gonna serve as the backdrop for these discussions that we're gonna have. And here they are. Number one, the effects of the pandemic are real, and that includes a range of things, physical, financial, mental, and emotional. All of that's real, and people have experienced that. Number two, COVID is serious, and that should be taken seriously. And Vic, I know we know people personally who've been affected and impacted by that. A person I graduated with, just she passed away last week of it. other things, I know we know people who have had it, gotten better and are over it now, but still, we know people who have been impacted by it. Yeah, we know some with hosp- in hospitals too. Yes. And number three, be smart and take reasonable precautions. So I kind of wanted to lay the groundwork there so that none of the other things that we discuss in this episode is misconstrued or you don't hear what we're not saying. Um, So that's why I wanted to just state those plainly up front. Now, just a little bit about me. I'm more of a realist, I guess. My wife would say probably a pessimist, not so much a realist, but she is very much the opposite of me. She's an optimist. So she automatically tries to see the silver lining in everything. And for me, that's hard to do. It's just by nature, I believe that's, just how I am, but she's a great example when it comes to being an optimist. So 
there's a popular saying and it goes, Vic, you'll be able to finish this one. When life gives you lemons. Make lemonade. That's right. So I've titled this episode, Pandemic Pandemonium, trying to make lemonade. I'm not saying that we have successfully made lemonade, but we're trying. I think everyone is trying because the pandemic for sure has forced people out of their comfort zones in a lot of different ways. And it's certainly been crazy at times um, for a lot of the time, for months on end now. But as detrimental as it has been, I think we need to try as much as we can to, again, make lemonade from the rotten lemons that 2020 has thrown at us so far. Try to walk away with any positives that we can. Uh, There's obviously no shortage of negative news. You turn on the TV, there's plenty of negative news to go around these days. But we're going to focus our attention today on some of the more positive aspects that we could try to take away from this. And so today's show is broken up into basically two segments. In the first part, Vicki and I, we're going to give some background on our own professions, our jobs, how things have changed in our world, just as a anecdotal, you know, examples of how things have been turned upside down by this whole pandemic. And then, so that's the first part. And then in the latter part, we're going to switch and kind of talk about it from the Disney perspective, how they have reacted to the pandemic. What are some things that they've done or are doing to try to at least survive it enough to get back on some kind of footing where they can go forward in a positive way. So that's generally how the episode is going to be structured today. And again, it won't be as sticking to our guidelines as normal. It's going to be a lot of free discussion. So Vic, I'm going to let you start. Why don't you go ahead and start and talk about what you do. Let's not mention specific names or you know, names of people, names of companies, names of districts. Let's just keep it generic, just so I don't want people to get um, offended by being able to identify that. But go ahead and talk about your profession, what you do, how it's changed as a result of the pandemic, and some of the positive things that you've seen happen that we might be able to take away from it. And some of those might stick even after we're back to somewhat normal, you know, mode of operation. What do you think? I'll let you start. So first, um, I wish that listeners knew you well enough to know how hard this is. I'm proud of you for even coming up with a show idea like this because Brad just amazes me sometimes with, I'm like, but you have to be positive about this. And he's like, no, I need to be real about this. This is what's going to happen. And so, uh, that in itself was pretty funny to me when you approached me with let's do this show and I was like wow okay maybe 20 almost 26 years of marriage has rubbed off on you a little bit I'm not sure most of the listeners know that I am a second grade teacher Um, I have been for quite a few years now and in March when the pandemic first hit us hard in the United States we had to try to figure out how we were going to teach our students through a computer Um, I don't know how many listeners are educators. I know we have quite a few, but I don't know that all of them are. And the education world is very different than when I was in school or even students that are my children's age, 23 and 20, school is different. Um, Technology is so prominent now and kids are so used to the fast pace of of technology that 
being on the computer, they want instant gratification. And as an educator, it's that's hard to do. That was one of the challenges we hit at the beginning. Luckily for us, just because this was so new and no one knew how to handle it, we had a little grace or we were told to have grace for both the parents and the students and even grace for ourselves because we were in new territory. We had, we had come upon something that had never been done before. And in fact, we'll probably change things for our future, which I will talk more about in just a second. So that was in March and we went until May, um, just getting online with the kids. Uh, I sent my kids daily messages and we had biweekly Zoom meetings with the kids just to check on them and see how they were doing. And then we had a file of work that we pushed out to them for the week, but we were instructed by the state not to go above an hour's worth of work during the day. Now, I know that that wasn't true for some districts. I I understand that, that some districts pushed out way more than that. But we were trying to help the mental and emotional changes that were going on in everybody's life because you had parents working at home for the first time too, as well as us trying to educate children through a computer. So that was what happened at the beginning. Was it hard? Yes, it was. However, I feel like that I got the closest that I could have ever gotten probably with a class because I did get to spend that quality personal time that we didn't, uh, the way that education is set up now, we're pushing these kids, pushing them, pushing them, which is a good thing to some extent. I've always been a person that pushes the kid to the best. However, I feel like we're trying to make them grow up so much more quickly. So anyways, fast forward, we went through the summer. We weren't sure what the changes were going to be. We heard lots of local school districts, lots of districts outside of the state, lots of our listeners districts are vir- are just virtual or they're hybrid, which is half virtual and half in school. And we were told we literally wouldn't know what was going to happen until school started. It could be the night before, which seemed crazy to us. So fast forward now we're into um, August and we're planning all this stuff. So we're going to go back and we're freaking out because all these local districts not saying they're going to go back. We were just unsure what that was going to look like. And then we knew that there were parents, parents were given the opportunity to do virtual teaching or did they want to do in-person teaching? Well, it was a pretty large number for in-person, but I think you've heard us say that our school is humongous, but we had enough students that we had seven in-person classes. And then we have three teachers on our team that are doing virtual. It's a little crazy. And then the district's telling us, you know, you're going to have to have as minimal of contact as you can with these students, which means they're going to sit in the desks. Now, if you've not been in a school um, or your children's uh, teachers have not sent pictures, like I try to send pictures at least once a week to my parents so that they know what's going on in school. Um, You may not know what a classroom looks like, but it does not look like anybody who went to school probably um, after... I'm going to say 2000, didn't sit in rows. I'm not saying you don't do that in middle and high school, but even my kids sat in groups and desks in high school for sure. I know that they talked about it and I believe so in middle school as well. Well, we have to go back to what I like to call the 1970s teaching or 80s where the kids are all in a row. It's just not how things are done now. Everything is about communicating and building relationships so that we can prepare these kids for what life's gonna be like later. Hence, when you get into the business world like my husband's in, you've had the opportunity to work with other people and not relied on just yourself because that's not realistic. That's not how life works. You have to work together. That's why there's no I in team. That's why you hear people say that. You have to work together to make things work in any job, 
but especially in education. So anyway, we ended up, do, we did go back in person. Uh, we just completed our sixth week of school. Uh, we'll have been in school for nine weeks, actually, by the time that you guys hear this. And is it going perfect? No, but we've had minimal cases in our district and we are doing some massive tracking of making sure that we always know who's with who and who was with someone else. And um, we've been encouraged not to eat with our colleagues so that we don't wipe out an entire team of teachers in one fell swoop. We can Zoom during our lunches if we choose to. However, sometimes that's just difficult to work out because everybody's in the room. We end up working through our lunch a lot of the time now just because we are by ourselves and it's just weird. Uh, we did Zoom at the beginning because it was just hard for us not to see each other after eating with each other forever. Uh, years and years this has been going on. So, so that's different. The kids are in rows, like I told you. I have to teach like that. What are some things that you see happening? You might not mind if they continue things that you've done differently that you might want to see continue even after this gets kind of back to normal? I don't mind the Zoom meeting so much because, and this is maybe a terrible reason, but a lot of times we sit in these meetings and sometimes they don't apply to all of us. Um, a lot of times they apply to regular classroom teachers, but we have a daughter now that is an educator and she's a special area teacher. And so I know for a fact from being a special area teacher at the beginning of my time at this school that sometimes it doesn't apply and you're sitting there and you're just bored out of your mind. And after a long day of school with kids, it's hard to stay focused where being on our Zoom meetings, we can still work on other things and listen. I mean, we have the ability to multitask. As educators, we have 20 kids literally talking to us at one time sometimes. I know that Joey has said to me, you know, you're not looking at me. I'm like, I don't look at every kid all day when they're talking to me because I'm usually in the middle of doing something and then they want to tell me something. I can do two things at once. I wish my team meeting was in person, but at the same time, I understand why we're doing it. It's more for our safety, but I just don't see my teammates very much and we feel disconnected and we've tried to do some things lately to try to reconnect ourselves because we are more of a family than a team. I mean, we are a team, but I mean, we hurt for the other one and the virtual teachers that's the ones that i wish things could change for because they're working so hard and they're having so many meetings and they're working late late hours at night longer than we normally did in our regular job just to try to figure something out for the next day um we used to plan a week in advance or try to sketch out a week in advance and they're having to do everything day to day because they don't know if it's going to work and they don't know if the routers are going to hold up and they you know and you know that from the business world brad that you have to have routers that are going to maintain all the usage in some ways yes school districts are a business it's not their main thing you have to have financial means and all of that you have to have the business perspective but it's not like a business that you know they're not going to have top of the line equipment or technical things because they have to work operate within a certain budget everyone does but usually corporate companies have a lot more money to pour into things like that whereas school districts they have a they have a slice and they have to make that work and sometimes you end up with not so great equipment i mean i think your district is probably one of the better ones in a better position than some when it comes to that but it, it can be daunting especially now that they were just thrust into this whole virtual online world i bet they had to do a bunch of scrambling to try to get things at least 
to the point where they could be stable without just crashing every day, you know, the network. In one of the efforts that they did was a couple weeks ago, we were all, all the in-person teachers were in charge of giving the beginning of the year tests so that we could get a baseline of where all our students were. That was one week that we really struggled because I don't know if all of us signing off and we're pushing off all of the virtual teachers, but they had to ask some of the virtual teachers to work from home until they could get things. And I know that they were, were reinstalling some more technological equipment this past week to try to maintain. One of the things, and this does affect our daughter Kaylee, and that is special area teachers normally see a different group of kids every day for three days. They're on a three-day rotation, which means she'd see close to 600 or more students in a three-day period that she'd be contact with. And so it would have been pretty much impossible for us to keep contact uh, or be able to contact Trace for our special area teachers. We have three music, three PE, and three art teachers if they were seeing that many students. Well, one of the um, art teachers came up with this plan because in our middles and high, middle, high, middle school, I don't know about high school, but in middle school, the kids do in a nine week time, they do a three week rotation. They're like three weeks in home ec and three weeks in shop and then three weeks in something else. And she suggested that it would still be the same amount of time that they would see those students. However, that would limit their contact down to a third of the students that they would see in that time. And this is one thing that I hope stays. And I'm not saying that just because of Kaylee. I really enjoy it. I enjoy that I get to see a project through and the kids haven't forgot about what they did from the week before in art or um, what their concepts are that they're learning in PE or the concepts they're learning in music. They're excited because the day before they learned this drum and so so many kids got to play the drum but then now they only have to wait till tomorrow morning and then they get to play the drum. So that is one thing that I understand that even the superintendent has noticed and heard from parents how much they love that and we hope it sticks. Another thing is I think people have more grace for each other. I'm not gonna say that it's perfect because you're still gonna have people that are just not happy with anything that happens. Hence Facebook, get on there for about two seconds and see what's going on, which is why if you follow me on my personal Facebook, I post a lot of scripture because Facebook makes me sad a lot of days to read it. Being locked in our houses, that sounded bad, but being forced in our homes to keep our family safe and to keep ourselves safe caused us to realize that some of the things that we complained about before are not as important as we thought they were. And when we go out now, we understand better how much it, um, how much we appreciate it. We realize how lucky we are. And I don't really mind wearing the mask. Yes, I get hot during the day wearing the mask. And do I want to do that for the rest of my teaching years? No, I do not. That's like how things are for our profession today. So. Um, I'm not telling you to thank me, but if you do have children in school and you didn't understand what's going on, there's a lot behind the scenes that teachers and even administrators uh, are doing that we didn't know about when we got into this career. Like our administrators have to contact Trace and that really is a health department job, but because that's so many people, they rely on the administrators to take that role right now. And that's really stressful. So I'm just asking you, um, to have a little grace and to realize that we're all going through this cha these changes, some good, some bad, but we'll get through it together. Uh, another difference, you know, I alluded to the fact earlier that, you know, I'm kind of more of a pessimist. Vicki is more of an optimist. Um, another difference is she is an extrovert and I'm an introvert. So 
my talking point on this is going to be very short compared to hers. So I'm going to just give my perspective. Um, it was lots of the things that she said do apply to me as well, even though I'm in a different industry. Uh, I'm in financial services industry, specifically in information technology for a large firm. And, you know, when this all hit back in March, who would have thought our entire workforce would be working from home? I mean, that's just not something that anyone had a concept of at all. Obviously, since I'm in information systems, I'm the, I'm the kind of person that's always been able to work from home ever since that's been available and the technology has been there. But not everyone in the business world has that if you're on the if you're not an IT person, you really expect to come into the office just like, you know, a nine to five, not saying it is a nine to five job, but the concept of kind of signing on at night or something like that, that's kind of foreign to a lot of people that are not in technology. For us, in our in my role, it's nothing because we always did that. We get paged in the middle of the night and we just, I walk into the other room and I'm online in five minutes. Not a big deal. Now, it is a big deal to be doing that constantly every day for eight months now. Never thought I would be doing that. We obviously have people who are home-based associates. They do that all the time, but they did that pre-pandemic. I'm really talking about the people that it forced to do that suddenly as a result of the pandemic. People who are not used to that. You know, I certainly wasn't used to working from home every day. Um, I never thought I would like working from home every day, and I really don't, not every day. I could probably do three days a week or two days a week and be fine with it. But, you know, I'm just thankful that we have the ability to do it and that we still have a job because a lot of people are not in that position. A lot of people are much worse off. So, and, and, who, th and who thought, you know, in the corporate world, I think a lot of things are being reevaluated. Things like, just like us, we had a whole, we were planning to redesign our floors to be the new ergonomically, you know, not so much just the square cubes and just a set. It was more open and have these breakout rooms and be more, I don't want to say Google-ish, but it's kind of got, you know, how Google is very free and open. Their offices are just you know, ping pong tables. We weren't going to have that, but I'm just saying. So there were plans to do that. And a lot of that has been tabled and put on hold because why would the company invest in something like that when they know that people may choose to just continue working from home? If you don't have to do it and you're not forced to come up with a floor space to accommodate more people, why would you take on that cost? And that's another big thing is cost cutting in this in this era, companies are looking to cost cut. Yeah, because they're realizing they don't have to pay the utility bills or the maintenance people to clean up after you guys every day or bring in the cooks to cook the lunches and the breakfasts every day. So they're cutting a lot of costs. Yeah, it's, it's just a way different way of thinking. And and there's things that we're, we're doing that we would have probably never either never done or we would have done at such a slow pace, it would have had to have happened over the course of years. But it's happened in the course of months. We had to. Necessity forced us to. 
you know, and nothing short of a pandemic could have forced that kind of a, a, a of a change, honestly, because, you know, our ship is a Titanic. It's a big ship and it takes a lot to turn that ship. And so things are bureaucratic. It's, it's that way anywhere with a big company. It takes time to make some changes happen. Whereas this, we really, it really was done at the speed of light in terms of how big we are. It was kind of, kind of crazy how, how fast some of this stuff came about. But that's just my two cents, my perspective, Vic. Um, I just kind of wanted to give everyone a feel for the personal side of how we've seen things be impacted. So now we're kind of going to shift into the second portion of the show where we talk about Disney specifically. And so I'm going to go ahead and, and start us off here. So obviously the impact has just been devastating for Disney. I looked at their bottom line, their financials uh, last night, you know, the reporting over the last year, and they've lost billions, B with a B, not an M, B. And that's just huge. You know, Disney could, could not have foreseen this. Uh, there's just, the whole industry didn't foresee this coming. So how has Disney pivoted? What are they doing? So I know this is the, the fall, the Halloween season, um, but I'm sure some people think that the entire year has been a nightmare. It's not just October that's the, the haunting season this time. This whole year's kind of been a nightmare. And I don't know, I think the entire industry in general is kind of having to just try to come up with new and ingenious ways to try to just survive it. Not, not even thrive, but survive it. So we're gonna go ahead and talk about some of the ways that Disney's pivoted uh, we'll talk about some some specific examples. And since it is coming up on Halloween, Vic, I'll go ahead and let you get started and talk about some of the changes specifically related to Halloween. And then we'll talk about more general industry-wide things as we get going here. So I'll let you start us. As you probably know, if you listen to the show at all, we told you a while back that Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party did not happen, is not happening. Um, I don't even remember what year this began. That probably would have been something good for us to look up, but it's been going on for a while and every year adding more and more dates. It started out where it was only in October, I know, and then they added a couple dates in September and last year I know it started mid-August. So that is something that Disney definitely is looking forward to because that's an extra ticket event. So we're talking, I think an adult is, depending on the day you go, because we paid extra at Christmas time, like $120 a person or something extra. Now, it is very cool because you get to do things that you don't, you get to see characters that you don't always see and that kind of stuff. So that was next. So just imagine just that amount of money that Disney lost. But they went ahead and they still decorated the park, which I'm very grateful for because I think that would almost been depressing for the people that were coming because the decorations alone are worth going to Disney for. They didn't go as all out as they usually do. In fact, I didn't even in my own house go out as all as much as we usually do decorating for fall. Um, I think that I'm learning to be a minimalist in some ways just because we are getting older or I'm not sure or that we're so busy. Normally guests were not allowed to wear costumes. Adults, kids could, um, but adults, we're not allowed to, but because of that, the cancellation of Not So Scary Halloween, 
the guests are allowed to wear, but you still have to follow the mask protocol. Well, everybody has to wear a mask right now anyway, because of the pandemic. So that seemed like that was okay. All the parks sell their themed food. If you listen to Wednesday show uh, every week, we're like, there's more, there's more food. So you've probably been listening to that. So every day between September 15th and October 31st, there's all these Halloween foods that you can get or fallish foods that you can try. The cool thing is um, we were very sad about the loss of the parades and fireworks. Well, there still is no fireworks and that's just because of social distancing purposes. If you've ever been to Disney World and if you haven't, imagine a can of sardines because that is what it's like at a fireworks show. And I'm not telling you that to tell you not to go because it's a cool experience if you ever have the chance. However, right now that is just not safe because they had to cancel parades again because it's like people packed in a sardine can to try to see people have to save their spots for two hours so they're sitting there for people way longer than the 15 minutes the cdc recommends so all these different factors were the reason they got rid of parades they decided to do these cavalcades well they have halloween cavalcades right now i want that to stay because i like the fact that people aren't pushing and shoving and fighting over space and you're actually taking a big chunk of your time to stand there two hours of your park time to save a place so that you can see these parades where now you can just see them intermittently. You hear music change and you know it's time. So they have uh, Mickey and friends and the villains and they're all dressed in costumes. So that was really cool that Disney uh, turned a negative into a positive, but through that. And another thing that I thought was really cool is you had to go to Mickey's Not So Scary to see the Dapper Dans dressed as their alter egos, the Cadaver Dans, you had to go during the Halloween party, but because that was canceled, they brought those in as a regular event during the day, during their regular hours. So I feel like Disney really did try. There was a lot taken away, and that is why we canceled my mom's first trip that was supposed to be this October, because we didn't want her to miss all those firsts. However, I appreciated that Disney tried to do things to make it as normal as possible. Yeah, that's that's good. I'm, you know, they're trying. Let's talk about a little more industry-wide things. That includes Disney, but it includes other things as well. So like SeaWorld. So SeaWorld Orlando, their Halloween spooktacular, they are offering trick-or-treating and character meet-and-greets, although it's at a much greatly reduced capacity and it also requires reservations and what I think was interesting when I did the research on this for SeaWorld is they're kind of coming in and capitalizing on where Universal and Disney are kind of I mean Universal and Disney are kind of handcuffed right now because they draw such larger crowds the concern for them is much greater as far as social distancing and things like that. Whereas SeaWorld, they don't have as many guests come through their turnstiles in a day. And that's because SeaWorld is, it's kind of geared more towards locals than it is international. So there's a there's a smaller crowd footprint. So they're gonna continue doing a lot. They're doing fireworks. They're doing these meet and greets. They're doing some of their Halloween events. So they're kind of continuing again with social distancing. They just do not have the crowds that really push them to be overly cautious like a Disney or Universal does. I thought that was interesting. I'd never thought about it like that. SeaWorld is geared more towards locals than it is, you know, a broader a broader audience. 
And again, another example is Bush Gardens at Tampa Bay, and they'll do trick-or-treating too, again, with social distancing, but again, limited capacity. And I think it all just depends on what kind of crowds your event would draw. If it's gonna be a huge drawing crowd event, it's probably on the chopping block. If not, you might get away with it, like some of these other places are doing. So the Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Parks on both coasts got canceled. However, I do know that the Orlando Universal Park did have a couple haunted house-like events, and they also had fall treats as well. They tried to do the best that they could with what they could, obviously, to keep people social distanced. They're doing some cool things, just like Disney is trying to make the best of what you can do and still keep it social distance and safe for people. I know that Florida has now, um, the governor has opened it up as much as they want, and I know that the numbers have started increasing. In fact, I know that Disney's is up to 50%. Um, I just read that today, and this is obviously, we're, we're pre-recording, so it's, yeah, it it's happening already. So. Hopefully it won't be any higher than 50% by the time you guys hear this, but we know that the numbers are increasing for all the parks. Um, the Six Flags in the United States are still having their Fright Fest, but it's not the same as it has always been. And you have to have reservations and you need a mask and you need to maintain six feet apart. So it kind of loses something. So they kind of had to nix that stuff for this year. And just a couple of more things, just industry wide, you know, some new things are emerging as people get creative. Uh, things like drive-through haunted houses. Who would have thought you'd ever had a, have a drive-through haunted house? But an example of that is it's called Scream and Stream, which is in Central Florida. And so it's an abandoned drive-in theater and they turned it into a, you know, this performance of props, performers, and it's a custom soundtrack and it's a mile long Halloween experience. I think that's pretty cool. Again, people are getting creative. They have to. I think the economics of things are forcing people to get creative. And my, the last one on the list, which I thought was really cool, on the West Coast, they've come up with a Stranger Things drive into experience where you can actually drive through Hawkins, the Star Court Mall, and maybe even the Upside Down itself all without leaving downtown LA. And so it says it has special effects and transportative sets, and it's an hour long. I mean, that's that's pretty cool. I think that would be pretty cool. It says dates for that are already filling up. So I don't think this is a, it's not a Halloween only thing since it is Stranger Things. It says it's already booking up until January, 2021. So again, I say all that to say people are getting creative. And I think people will have to continue to be creative until this thing gets back to somewhat of a normal operation. Even if it, I don't know that it ever will go back to normal, what we know is normal, but you got to think people have got to do stuff just from the economic impact. They've got to do something different to just survive it. And so whether it was by some happy accident or a cosmic design, Disney launched Disney Plus last year. And for most people in this country, or at least the Midwest and the West, it happened to be a snow day for a lot of us the day that Disney Plus launched. So we got to enjoy it better than we would have because we thought we were going to school. But there are over 60 million subscribers to Disney Plus now as of August 2020. 
Um, that has definitely helped to shore up some of the losses that Disney has seen from the pandemic. The Disney Studios entertainment segment is now in the process of figuring out the lesser of two evils, box office premieres or premium streaming. And so the one thing that we have seen, which is sad, is the movie theater industry kind of going down because obviously not a safe thing, just like Disney's, you know, trying to make those changes so that we can still have people to see the, the shows like Mickey's uh, PhilharMagic and the Country Bears and the Tiki Room, all those different things. It's the same thing for a movie theater. They're trying to figure it out, but people are just nervous because they tell you not to be somewhere for 15 minutes. So then you go into a closed movie for two hours. And even if you're spread out with your mask on, are you still safe? Some people will say yes, some people will say no. So I do feel sorry for the industry, but I really think this is the time that drive-in movies, the ones that are left will be in full force and also I feel like there'll be more drive-in movies opening up because that is something that could definitely be done and I know even some local Walmarts are doing that showing movies that came out a couple years ago and charging people and doing that just to get people out of the house but also social distance so just a lot of things came out of this pandemic good bad or indifferent if there's one takeaway for sure it's that we realize how important family is, or I hope that everybody did, because there were people that had to be by themselves. They were totally by themselves and were extroverts like me, and that was very hard for them. So we just need to remember that not everybody thinks the same way that we all do. Before we sign off, I wanna just say, if you're interested in being a guest on our show, or you have a question or a comment, all you have to do is email us at mousecapadespodcast at gmail.com. And if you would like to book a trip or just want a free quote, text us at 636-373-4497 or contact us at vicki.black, V-I-C-K-I-E dot black like the color at yourstorytravel.com. You can check us out on our social media accounts, yourstorytravel.com, our Facebook page, The Mousecapades Podcast, and our Twitter account at Pod. Be sure to listen to Wednesday's show as we diss the latest rumors and news and chat with the gang. And as always, thanks for listening to the number one podcast that entertains that space between your ears, the Mousecapades podcast. Well, Brad, I think it's about that time. Disney love. Just keep swimming. Have a magical day, my friends. 